This is NBA Sound System Live, featured on NBA.com sites around the world and archived on the NBA Sound System podcast feed, where you get your podcasts by searching NBA Sound System. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, each with the handle at NBA Sound System, or visit us at NBASoundSystem.com for more. Now, NBA Sound System Live. NBA Sound System Live, Carlin Gay alongside Scott Rafferty. We, we just heard a, a, a great piece on this uh, on this beautiful podcast and live radio network of, on the uh, on the great Chick Hearn. I don't know Scott if you know if you know the great Chick Hearn, the former Lakers announcer. He's he created a lot of the terms that we still use today uh, it, within just talking basketball, like for airball, for example. Uh, the charity stripe, the give and go, garbage time. So many of our everyday phrases, the finger roll, so many of our everyday phrases that we use in just talking hoops comes from the great Chick Hearn, and we were able to just learn a little bit about him just now. I mean, I'll take your word for it, Colin. You know me. I'm, I'm more of a, a new school kind of guy, so I'll take your word for it on that one. The great yeah. Chick Hearn. The great Chick Hearn, indeed. Uh, legendary, legendary broadcaster, not only just basketball, but all of American sport. Uh, on this episode of NBA Sound System, we will be talking about the playoffs. Uh, the playoffs are a week old, Scott. They're teams that are already packed up and out of the bubble. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about our biggest takeaways from the first round. The Blazers are now down 3-1, just like I said they would be. I'm going to give it, get a chance to rub that in and, and on the rest of you guys who believe that the Blazers had a chance. But can they come back? We'll discuss that. And also, the real playoffs in the Eastern Conference is set to begin now that we got a bunch of teams swept out of the first round. I'm going to get Scott to rank his teams in the Final Four. I know the Bucks still have to f- complete their uh, series against the Magic, but let's face it, the Magic aren't coming back. Uh, the top four remaining in the Eastern Conference, I'm going to get Scott to rank them of most likely to make it out of the East. But first, we'll start with our biggest takeaways from the first round, Scott. It was a. Uh, there's some series that that they were watchable. Some series that weren't. What were your biggest takeaways from the first round of the playoffs? Let's go with one of the series that has been very watchable. Um, I, I don't know how we can have this discussion without talking more about Luka Doncic. Look, we talked about him last week and how incredible he was, and he was coming off of that 42 point um, playoff debut against the Clippers that came up in a loss, but it was a close game. And now we're talking of him coming off of a 43 point. 17 rebound, 13 assist triple-double, which he capped off with a step-back game-winning three over Reggie Jackson to tie this series at 2-2. I don't know how much more we can really say about Luka Doncic at this point. What he's doing is absolutely incredible, you know, considering that they were the Mavs were without Chris Stapps Porzingis in that game four. You know, Luka's dealing with this, this ankle injury he sprained in game three. He's averaging basically a 30-point triple-double through four games in the series. He's doing things we've never seen before, not even just from a player his age, but things that we've never seen. Um, so the things that he's still doing on a nightly basis. And look, this series is very much still up in the air right now. I think you know the Clippers still do have the edge. They're the best team, especially if Paul George can kind of bounce back from how much he struggled in these first four games. But he's Luka Doncic has almost single-handedly made this into more of a series than I think anyone expected it to be. Yeah, Paul George has struggled from the field big time. 
Uh, I know people are going crazy about the series being more competitive than I think a lot of people had pegged to start, but I, I'm not going to panic. I still think the Clippers make it out of this first round series, but you're right. It has been fantastic being able to watch Luka Doncic uh, prove all the doubters wrong because there's a lot of people that were in the camp that he wouldn't be able to do this at this level, and he is, uh, whether or not he was athletic enough to be able to score against elite defenses, there is no more elite defense in the league maybe the bucks but i think even the clippers are a little bit more elite in terms of uh the the perimeter defenders that they have and luka Doncic is still getting incredible numbers not just good numbers incredible numbers against the best defensive perimeter team in my opinion in the entire league so uh you know kudos to luka Doncic and the the star of hit you know his star is going to continue to rise and and he's he's continuing to develop into the superstar right before us dude's only 21 and just turned 21 uh so the league's in good hands for the next 10 years um my my takeaway is that series uh i thought the clippers would have dispatched the mavericks in five um this series is going to go at least six games i also thought that the you know patrick beverly was when he came back into the bubble and got back into the lineup that he would be healthy and 100 ready to go montres harrell i know that he dealt with some some off the court stuff and 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 family members passing away and hasn't really been able to get back into shape but when he got back into the lineup, I thought he would provide more of a spark. That hasn't come to pass yet. So I am I am shocked that the Clippers uh, look this pedestrian. But I'm also, uh, my biggest takeaway is also that they weren't able to just kind of flip that switch as I thought they would in the playoffs. It has a lot to do with the fact that a lot of their guys were in and out of the bubble. They weren't able to to get their their legs underneath them in that in those eight seeding games. And that actually mattered. And it mattered, those eight seeding games, I think, matters mattered most uh more than i think people really realize not just for the clippers but for a lot of teams that we've seen in the first round so um i while i'm i still still think the clippers are the favorites to win it all uh it wouldn't shock me now if they don't get past uh the 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 conference finals and make it into the to the nba finals so that's my biggest takeaway from uh, from the first round. Do you have another a secondary takeaway from from the playoffs, uh, the first round? I know Luca's your guy and you love him, but anything else that stuck out to you? Donovan Mitchell as well. He's just been absolutely incredible. I think we did. Did you pick the Nuggets to win that series as well? Because I think I picked them in, in five. I did. Like I, I didn't really think the Jazz had much of a chance with Bogdanovich out. He was the second leading scorer, I think, on the season. And then you know this, the alleged chemistry issues between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. I just thought all that stuff was going to be far too much for them to overcome in this season restart and in the playoffs. But I mean, Donovan Mitchell's running circles around the, the Nuggets and Nikola Jokic in particular. Um, two 50-point games in this series. He's just been absolutely on fire, tearing that defense up. And I think you know when we talk about what the best version of Donovan Mitchell is, we're seeing it right now. Yeah, he's been incredible. I wrote a piece on NBA.com after game one uh, when word went out that Mike Conley was coming back into the lineup. And uh, basically, I, I, I made the case for Quinn Schneider to play Donovan Mitchell, to continue to play Donovan Mitchell at the point guard spot, and he's done that. When Donovan Mitchell has the ball in his hands, he's far more dynamic than when he's playing off the ball. And you know Utah went out of their way this offseason to try and help him in terms of that and not put all of that burden on his shoulders. But it looks like he wants that challenge. It looks like he wants to have the rock in his hands. It looks like he wants his usage to be high. 
And it looks like he's going to, uh, you know, figure out a way to be a little bit more efficient because that was always a knock on him. Last year, he had a great, he put up good numbers, but he just wasn't efficient. And that's why Utah went out and got uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, who's, who's injured in this in this series and, and really for the rest of the playoffs. That's why they went out and got Mike Conley to help him out in the backcourt to try and add playmakers to the team so it wasn't all on Donovan Mitchell. But a year later, Donovan Mitchell's saying, I- I'm okay making plays for the rest of the team and myself. And uh, that's why the Utah Jazz currently are 3-1 up on the Denver Nuggets. By the time you're hearing this uh, in the podcast land, in podcast land, they may have already uh, finished the series with the Denver Nuggets as that game goes down in about three hours from now. So I, I am very impressed with the way Donovan Mitchell has handled himself in this playoffs, averaging close to 40 points per game. My other takeaway, Scott, from the first round is my Miami Heat and I'm saying yes my Miami Heat because I am the only believer uh, of the Miami Heat I really think that this is a team and we'll get into this a little bit later on but this is a team that could surprise a lot of people they're built for the postseason and the path that they have in front of them and that includes the Milwaukee Bucks they're built to beat teams like them uh, I, I like the Heat they they, they dispatch the, uh, the the Pacers you know, the short clean sweep yeah, the shorthanded paces, we should say. But sure, yes. but it's still a sweep's a sweep. I mean, you still have to go out there and get it done. I thought the Pacers would get more than you know a game or two, even even though they were shorthanded. Uh, but the Heat mean business, and they look good uh, in the bubble so far. They're playing great basketball, and people are people forgot. You know, they laughed at Andre Iguodala and, and and all that they gave up for him, but he is going to be a key piece for them. Uh, you know, and and their and their run, not offensively, but definitely defensively. I'm with you, and I, I'm. I'm. We should probably save this heat conversation for the end of the podcast because you know you, you wanted my takes on the teams in the East, and I'm sure that's going to come up. Yeah, it, yeah, let's save. Let's save that, and, and let's let's talk about this. We can't save uh, a, a, another podcast, which is our sister podcast. Don't save that for later. Get to it right now, right in your podcast feed. Sound System FC, our friends over at Sound System FC, brand new episode. I watched the Champions League final this weekend. It was terrific to see Bayern Munich reach the mountaintop. Uh, Bo and Lawrence talk about that on this episode. They also answer the question, can Bayern, uh, Bayern Munich be a, a sort of a dynasty or are they going away? Um, you know, you know, they have a young team and they also have some older guys. But it doesn't look like they're going anywhere anytime soon. They really ripped through the Champions League this year. And we're only a couple of weeks, Scott, from the start of the regular seasons in a lot of leagues, La Liga, uh, the EPL, or the PL rather, uh, Champs League is getting started in England in a couple of days now, uh, and my Arsenal squad unveiled new uniforms. That's what I get excited about. Oh, by the way, I know they didn't get a chance to talk about this, but big news drop, Scott. I know you're not a huge, huge soccer fan. Big news drop, and I can't wait till next week's podcast for them to talk about this. Lionel Messi wants out of Barcelona? That's insane to me. That's like, Scott, to put this into context here on the basketball podcast, that's like LeBron James saying at the end of this season that he wants out of L.A. out of nowhere. That's that's the level of craziness that's happening in La Liga and also shaking up the soccer world. Where will Lionel Messi go? That is the big question that everyone's trying to ask now. But for the Champions League review, check out Sound System FC. Rate and review it. Subscribe. Tell your friends about it. The best podcast going in the land right now all right uh let's get back to hoops and we just talked about uh you know our biggest takeaways 
from the first round. And last week, I came on here and said the Lakers would make short work of the Portland Trailblazers. I understood that the Trailblazers were a nice story heading into the bubble. They had me a little nervous, I'm not going to lie, after the game one win. But the Lakers have now laid the smackdown on them in three straight games. It's a 3-1 series lead. They could close it out in game five, which goes down on Wednesday night uh, in the U.S. It's Thursday morning for the rest of the world. Um, do you think the Blazers have enough firepower in them to try and make this a series, or is this, is this over in five? This is over. I, I, I was with you last week when we said this was going to be a short series. And like you, that game one did did scare me a little bit. Um, but I think, you know, the, the Lakers have pretty much looked like the team that we thought they would be uh, over the last three games. You know, a, a big topic in that game one was the Lakers just couldn't hit any threes. They were five for 32 on threes. Those shots have started to drop more as the series has gone on. Anthony Davis, similar to Paul George, was terrible in that game one. Hey, it makes a big difference when your second best player is playing like an all-star and MVP candidate again. He's been awesome since then, although he left lap game four with a back injury, I think it was. Um, and I think just defensively, like the Lakers look like the defensive team that they were all season long. And, you know, it, it is worth noting they're going up again against a bit, a bit of a battered Portland uh, Trailblazers team. John Schumann had a, a good line today in his column on NBA.com where, you know, this is the 13th game in 25 days for the Blazers. And 10 of those first games were within five points in the last five minutes. Like they've been playing not only, basically every single game they've played since they entered the bubble was must win. And it's put a lot of mileage on Damian Lillard, on CJ McCollum. Now they're both dealing with injuries. Damian Lillard already had that dislocated finger, I think it was. Then he had a right knee injury in game four. CJ, we know he's dealing with a back injury. At, at this point, you know, the Blazers have been one of the, 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 the best stories in the bubble, Damian Lillard specifically. But I, I think it's pretty clear at this point that they're kind of running out of steam. Yeah, and uh, our Kyle Irving wrote about that as well on NBA.com, specifically talking about Damian Lillard and, you know, is Dame time sort of running out? And, you know, this is something that uh, I think we talked about last week. It's they, the, the, the Blazers, you know, as you mentioned, John Schumann said that, you know, they've played a lot of games, and a lot of close games. But the minutes and the mileage that Damon Lillard has had to put on his body in just 12 games prior to game four against the Lakers, he's played close to 500 minutes of basketball. And those were hard minutes. It wasn't like, uh, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. has played, you know, 423 uh Prior to to their game four game five matchup with the Clippers, uh, and that sounds like a lot, but for the Mavs, you know, in, in they already knew that they locked in their playoff spot halfway through the seeding game, so it wasn't hard minutes. It wasn't like they were going uh, all out to try and make the playoffs like the Blazers had to, and Lillard had to do that to try and get his team in the uh, into the just playing game, let alone the playoffs. And now it's catching up to them. You could see his legs are tired. Obviously, the injuries don't help. But, you know, the rest of the team as well are gassing out. Gary Trent was shooting. Uh, you know, it seemed like everything he threw was going in. And now that's starting to slow down. And, you know, I, I do want to credit the Lakers defense. And that's something that we can't take away from. But the Blazers just don't have enough, uh, you know, gas in the tank right now to get past that team. And then on top of it, they're going against one of the better defensive teams in the league. That's going to clamp them down. And then they just don't defend. You know, they they they, they had a you know game right. one. They looked great. Uh, Whiteside was active. Even Nurkic was active. They were protecting the rim really well. 
Carmelo was getting into a defensive stance, staying in front of LeBron. All that's gone now. Now it's El Matador. Uh, the Lakers put up 80 points in the first half of, of, of game four. Like, that's that's all you need to know. You know, it, this one's a wrap. Uh, the Blazers had a nice run. Great story. It was a short series like we predicted here. And, uh, you know, it, now you have to look at Portland as another another season where you're unsure about what to do in the offseason because, again, you didn't have your full – uh, you know, capabilities with you. Like got Zach Collins was out, Nurkic was out for for almost the entire year. If there was, if we didn't go through a pandemic, would Nurkic have made it? You know, played in the playoffs? Maybe not. Uh, so a lot went on with Portland. You can't really assess them. And you know, is it time to break up Damon CJ? Who knows? Is it time to break up that unit? Who knows? But uh, I would give it one more year and see where we're at at that point. Uh, but it just it's just tough to see Portland go out like this uh, because it was such a nice story. They just ran into a juggernaut and, and ran out of gas, really. Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been a great story. But, you know, to your point, it's Damian Lillard has to play 43 minutes and go for 42 and 12 or something in the last seeding game for the Blazers just to beat a Brooklyn Nets team to make the playoffs. Like, they've their foot has been on gas, uh, you know, all the way pedal to the metal since the, the seeding games began in the season restart. Um, it, it's been an incredible story. We should also mention LeBron James, by the way. I know. He's been he's been here before. We've seen him been doing it for so long now. This guy's 35 years old, and he's just playing. It, 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 the things he does on a nightly basis still just blows my mind, whether it's, you know, the way that he's reading the defense, the passes that he's making. In game four, he had 30 points on 10 for 12 shooting, 10 assists, 6 rebounds, 1 block. Um, I, I know this is nothing new here, but, but shout out to LeBron for just continuing to do things that nobody ever expected him to do at this age. It's all about momentum sometimes, and that's one of these you 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 little you and your stat nerd crew uh, never really take into take into account. Yeah, I'm calling you out uh, because th- that there's no number to quantify momentum, and the Blazers had a ton of momentum heading into the postseason. That's the reason why they took Game One. There's no advanced number that's going to be able to tell you that, and the Lakers never really were able to to uh, you know get into any type of rhythm. They needed the Game One beat down or the, the game one wake up call to really get them back in business and they were able to do that in game two and now momentum is just going to carry them to the second round of the playoffs there's you no advanced the stat for that so, you, so you, go out and get that you say that like i picked the blazes to six or something <laughs> I, I was with you here last week saying that this is going to be a short series i don't know where these shots are coming from <laughs> anytime i get a chance to take a, a shot at you calculator uh punchers over there i'll i'll, I'll do it uh, all right Let's uh let's talk about the Eastern Conference now and the real playoffs are about to begin out east. Like I said off the top, I know the Milwaukee Bucks are not done their playoff series with the Orlando Magic, but they're pretty much done. It's 3-1, the Magic aren't going to reel off three straight victories. It's not going to happen. So, we're now looking at a potential matchup between the Bucks and the uh, Miami Heat in the second round, and we already know that the Raptors and Celtics will be going head-to-head in the best of seven in the second round. So the real playoffs are about to get out east. I want you to rank for me one to four, with one being most likely to make it out of the Eastern Conference to play in the finals, to represent the Eastern Conference in the finals. Rank those four teams, Miami, Milwaukee, Boston, and Toronto, of most likely to least likely to make it out of the east. You're, you're going to love my answer for this. I don't think anything's changed. I still think it's the Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, and Heat. But 
I will say that I think the margin between those teams are much smaller than it was coming into the season restart. Like I, I thought the Bucks were running away with it, and I thought a team like the Raptors or Celtics could make things interesting, but ultimately I, I had them as the team to beat. Whereas now, like I'm sure we're going to talk about it right now, I do think the Heat could actually give the Bucks some trouble in the second round to the point where they may be able to push that series to six or seven games or even win. Um, and even that Raptors Celtics series, a big caveat with putting the Raptors at two is we still have no idea um, how Kyle Lowry is going to be coming off of that ankle injury. We don't even really know the severity of it, even though that happened, what, two or three days ago. Um, so if, if he's, you know, 60, 70% of what he was, maybe the Celtics are number two over the Raptors. But just in a vacuum, I still think that nothing much has changed in terms of the order of those teams outside of the margins being much smaller. I, I go the complete, well, not complete opposite way, but you know how I feel about the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm not afraid to say it. I've said it multiple times. I just don't see it. Um, there's no disrespect to them. I, I, I respect what they've done in the regular season. I absolutely respect what Leonis Atacumpo has done as a player, and I, and I acknowledge the leap he's made. That being said, to me, they are still the least likely out of those four teams to make the it least out of the likely? Eastern Conference. The least likely. My order goes as follows. The Boston Celtics, Toronto Raptors, Miami Heat, and Milwaukee Bucks. And again, that I bumped the Raptors down to two because of the injury to Kyle Lowry. Who knows what happens there? I know the Celtics were are without Gordon Hayward, but the loss of Kyle Lowry uh, or potential uh, you know loss of Kyle Lowry is far bigger for the Raptors than the loss of Gordon Hayward would be for the Celtics. Uh, and I, I just think that they do have enough to get to the finals this season. Will they win it? Probably not, but I think they could get there and represent the East. The Bucks. let's speak about them specifically because you and I are on completely different ends of the spectrum when it comes to the Bucks. I think we can agree on the other three teams all having faults and why we've placed them where they are. But the Bucks, to me, they are going up in this first round series. And yes, this should have been a sweep. And it's going to be a gentleman's sweep at the end of the day. So people shouldn't go too crazy about the one game that the Magic won. However, it's been a struggle to get to those victories for two of those uh, of the three that they have so far. And, you know, the, the final score is obviously not going to say that because at the end of the day, the Bucks were able to pile on and go on these long runs where the Magic just don't have enough scoring output to, to, to match, you know, you know, firepower with them. But defensively, they've been able to keep them in check for a large part and, and large chunks of games in this series. And when they go up against the Miami Heat or either the Raptors or Celtics in the next round, if they're able to make it that far, it, th these are three teams that can defend them and also score them. And the way that the Bucks defend, giving up as many threes as they do, that's not going to hurt them against the Orlando Magic. It will hurt them against the Miami Heat. I am leaning towards, I haven't made the, uh, there's nowhere on the website where you're going to find my prediction for Bucks Magic, or sorry, Bucks uh, Heat, but I'm going Miami Heat in six games in that series when it gets there, and confidently taking the Heat. I, they have enough people to stay in front of Giannis and take six fouls on him. They have enough shooting to force the Bucks to do something differently defensively. And I think that the Bucks have been playing one year all one way rather all year long. And now at this point in the playoffs, for them to come up with a different defensive scheme just for the Miami Heat is going to hurt them. I don't know that they can get away with just giving the Heat open threes, which is what they want to do and prevent paint points. And if they were to switch that scheme now, at this point in the season, that's going to hurt them even more. 
So I have the Miami Heat winning in six, and I think the Miami Heat can figure it out defensively uh, enough to uh, – they're not going to slow down Giannis. He's going to get his, but they can figure it out defensively enough to slow down the entire Bucks offense, which grinds to halts in the half court. I will, I will say I think the Heat have the second best chance in the East of containing Giannis in a way that, that can, you know, shift the series in their favor. Um, the first team being the Raptors, just because I think, you know, Nick Nurse has done it there before, and they have a lot of the same personnel that they had last year when they did make life difficult for him for Game 3 onwards. Um, and I've written about this before, too. I think if you just, you know, in a lab, for example, I, I think Bam Adebayo would probably be the perfect um, player that you could come up with to defend Giannis. Not that he's going to stop him one-on-one uh, because no one can anymore. But if you can kind of do your work against him, make life difficult for him, battle him with size, funnel him towards help, and you surround him with guys like Jimmy Butler um, and other really smart defenders, Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder is a good team defender. I do think that you know they do have a very good chance of making life difficult enough for Giannis where this is a really close series. But I will say this too. The way that you talk about the Bucks makes it sound like teams walk the ball up the court and they have five guys standing in the paint and they're just conceding threes to anyone who wants to take them. This is a really smart defensive team. And look, their, their biggest weakness is having a, a pick and pop center who can kind of punish Brook Lopez for hanging in the paint because he does drop to the paint and pick and rolls. And we saw that in Nikola Vucevic in game one in particular. And he's given him, you know, he's had some other moments in the other games since. But there's not really anyone on the Heat who can do that. Um, Kelly Olynyk's a really good three-point shooter. I don't think he's someone who's gonna you're gonna want to play 25 minutes against the Bucks or anything like that. So I think you know Bam Adebayo, he has seemed to be a little bit more willing to me to shoot from from around the elbows and the mid range in the playoffs and the season restart and everything like that. But I, I don't think he's gonna be someone who really punishes the Bucks for the way that they like to play. Um, defensively so so that's one of the big things for me and also again like this is a really smart team they're not just going to leave Duncan Robinson open like they're going to know he's um, the best three-point shooter on the team someone who you know handoffs between him and, him and Bam Adebayo has been one of the most like efficient two-man plays in the league this season they're going to know that they're going to have a game plan for that Eric Bledsoe hasn't looked great in these seeding games but he's one of the best perimeter defenders um, he's going to be able to sniff that kind of stuff out, stuff out. So I, I'm not necessarily worried. Oh, and also the Bucks have, you know, Giannis at center lineups, um, which we could see more of in this series because he can kind of match up with Bam Adebayo because he's not someone who's going to necessarily punish them for downsizing in that fashion. So, I, look, I'm with you. I, I do think the margin between the, the Bucks and the Heat aren't nearly as great as they once were. And I do think that he do have a legitimate chance in this series. I just still think that the Bucks still have the edge. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, a lot of these series, when, when we're talking about how close they are, it helps having the best player in the series. To me, that's still Giannis, no doubt. Yep, no doubt. I th- I, there's no argument there with Giannis being the best player in the series, no question about it. I, I think he's uh, he's phenomenal. Um, but And I agree with you. I don't think that the Bucks are going to allow the Miami Heat to just walk into three-point shots. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, is that that has been their defense all year long, and they're going to be asked in this series specifically and beyond this, because if they get past the Heat here, uh, they'll be they'll be going up against either the Celtics or Raptors, and they can't do that either there. They're getting away with it against the Magic because the Magic just don't have an offensive firepower to get past them. And I say that, 
and five players for the Magic are averaging double-figure scoring in this series. So the Magic are are, are being able are are able to score. They they haven't had too much. You know, they they've had. They've had trouble scoring at points in the series, which has hurt them because they just don't have a go-to guy like a Jimmy Butler or or even a, or even a, a Drogic that can get his own look at, at times. And I think that's where it's hurt them the most. Is you know Milwaukee when you when they don't have to switch or have to pay any much attention to one in particular uh, player on the court, that's when their defense is at the best. Like I know you say that Eric Bledsoe hasn't been great. He's been good defensively though. And same with same with Chris Middleton. He hasn't he hasn't shot the ball well at all. But he's been good defensively. Actually, a matter of fact, any there's not a single buck really that has really shot the ball well. Uh, but they've all been good defensively. But uh, the, the the Miami Heat aren't going to go through five minute spells where they can't score the basketball like the Orlando Magic have been able to you know have done at points in this series. And that's really the difference. The Magic have done well defensively to keep the Bucks in check. They just they except for Giannis, except, but you they just can't score enough to make this a series. And I think that that's going to be the opposite with the Heat. The Heat are going to be able to score enough and they'll be able to, you know, keep the rest of the Bucks in check minus Giannis. Uh, Giannis could still average 30 and go home. There's no there's no uh, you know, there's there's nothing saying that he can't do that. It's it's a lot of it's going to fall on Chris Middleton because he's going to have to give you more than 13 points per game. Not going to be able to get away with that against the Miami Heat. Brook Lopez is not going to be able to get away with not uh, you know, stretching the floor, being on the floor to uh, you know space the floor for Giannis. It, it, a lot of pressure is going to be on the Milwaukee Bucks shooters in this series, and the Heat on the other end are going to score far more than the Magic do uh, or have done against the Bucks. That's why I have the the uh, the Heat in six in this series coming up. I I, I love Milwaukee. They're great. You know, great team, but it's a, a great regular season team. They're not going to be able to get past the Miami Heat in the second round. I got one more note for you. All right, we we have to we have to wrap this up. The the opponent three point shooting thing. Yes, the Bucks gave up the most threes in the league this season to opponents. Do you know which team was second? The Miami Heat. The Toronto Raptors. The Miami Heat was okay. third. So you, we third, just talked yes. about three of those four teams, and the Bucks gave up zero point four threes more per game than the Raptors did. So they're, they're basically exactly the same. And I think you know it's very easy to look at those numbers and be like. Like, yeah, yeah, every single team in the league has a weakness defensively. Like, yes, I just said it. The Buck, if you can have a pick and pop center who can punish you from three, that's a huge vulnerability for the Bucks. But again, it's this team is really smart and they know who to leave open and who not to leave open. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're probably more, they're going to be more focused on leaving Jimmy Butler open on the three point line than Duncan Robinson um, sure. and things like that. So, I, I, I I, I get it. The three-point shooting stuff and the numbers are a little bit concerning in that regard, but I, I don't know how much I necessarily put into it. Yeah, and and you're right. You know, they're they're probably going to choose to leave Jimmy Butler open uh, versus Duncan Robinson, but they're doing and they're doing that against the Orlando Magic, who made 18 threes in Game Four. But the Orlando Magic have Terrence Ross as a great three-point shooter, and that's it. You know, Evan Fournier. He's a scorer. He's not a shooter. When you and and yes, Jimmy Butler is a is is a scorer more than a shooter. But you can't leave him alone and invite him to take open threes. You can't leave uh, Kelly Olynyk alone and invite him to take open threes. The, the 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 Miami Heat have far more lineups that they can put together where they have multiple shooters on the floor to prevent you from having to leave guys like that open than the Orlando Magic have. They're not going to put combinations on the floor that are going to be three and four guys that can shoot. And also, the Orlando Magic just don't have guys that can break you down off the bounce where the Heat do. 
Rodgers could do that. Uh, Kendrick Nunn hasn't played at all in the first round of the series, and that's because he hasn't been in shape since coming back into the bubble. He's another guy. He can't shoot, but he can get into the paint and finish. And you're, like I said, the Bucks offense, defense rather, all season long has been prevent paint points, protect the rim, and allow guys to shoot from three-point range. You're going to ask them to change that completely and just try to defend this Miami Heat team at this point in the season it's going to be tough for them to do. Yes, they're a smart team. It's going to be tough for them to do after building a habit of doing that. And you, you can get away with giving up threes in the regular season. It's different in the playoffs when you're seeing the same team over and over and over again. So that's why I think the Miami Heat can get away with it. You, you don't have anything else to add on that? Because you, you can give a season a series prediction. Give me a Raptor series prediction, rather. Um, I So I actually had the Celtics in six um, originally, but the – I think the Golden Haywood injury is actually going to be a really big deal in this series. So I think if, if they can, if the Raptors can get Lowry to, I don't know, 80% capacity, which again, we have no idea right now. I do think the Raptors hold a slight edge. Um, I have a huge concern with Boston's bench, and I think that's going to be one of the big keys in that series. So I, I think Raptors in six. I have Raptors in seven in that one. And, I, and as you know, I have the Heat in six. What do you have for uh, Milwaukee and Miami? I might, I might go Bucks in seven, but I haven't given that a ton of thought yet. But I, I do Buc- think that the Bucks still have the, the slight edge. It's only me and I here. Like, there's, it's not going to get out to the world or anything it's, like that. You can, yeah, you can, you can tell us. I, I just said it. Um, I have one, just, just one more lasting note, by the way. Um, <laughs> Bucks have held the Orlando Magic to 102.9 points per 100 possessions in the series. That would have been the worst offensive efficiency in the season in the league this season. So that's that's just yeah. one more thing for you to chew on. So I, I do think the yeah. Bucks still have the advantage. I, I I'll go Bucks in seven right now. Sure. Yeah, they, they held the Orlando Magic to a, a horrible offense. <laughs> to a horrible number. They surprise. Did, they did what they oh, had okay. to do. Yeah, they did against a team that they have no business playing a fifth game against. They should have swept this team just like all the other teams in the Eastern Conference were able to do if oh, they had just shown up in sorry. game one. Sorry, like like the Raptors last season when they lost game one to the same team and then went on to win hey, this, title. This sorry, is, yeah, this, no, this you're right. Different season. And, and, and by the way, the Orlando Magic team was a lot better than this one. They were healthier. Aaron Gordon's not playing. What's their excuse there? Jonathan Isaac's not and here. Jonathan Isaac. And Jonathan Isaac. Yeah. Hey, two, you, two, look, two it's starters. Hard, look, it's hard to prepare for the unknown. I don't know what to tell you, Colin. <laughs> we'll, we'll try to prepare for the unknown next week. Same time right here on NBA Sound System Live. It's 3 p.m. Eastern time across the NBA Global Networks in Canada, in India, in Australia. If you've missed any part of the show, you can go back and listen to the entire episode uh, on the NBA Sound System podcast type in NBA sound system wherever you get your podcast like subscribe rate and review and by the way sound system fc i mean football season uh, or soccer rather is heating up and that is a place to get all the news and notes uh from around the world from the beautiful game for scott rafferty i am carlin gay we will see you next week right here on nba sound system